Heavenly Father, we do find our strength, our wealth in, is in you. And I pray, Lord, that you would be speaking to us. Open our hearts, our minds, our ears to you and what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I have a proposition for you. Let, what, let's go fishing. You ready? There's, a, there's some enthusiastic interest and response there. You don't like fishing. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> too slow. You do. All right. I do, too. Um, in fact, I was uh, on a canoe trip with a, a youth group and leading a group of kids, and one of them said, can you tell me what heaven is like? And I thought, wow, he is that he's open to spiritual things. I'm excited. I told him this grand description about what heaven was like. And then he said at the end, but is there fishing in heaven? He, didn't, he, he just wanted to know, is heaven a good place, a place I can look forward to, something that I'm going to have fun with? And he didn't need all of the other details. Well, if you were to describe the kingdom of heaven to someone, how would you describe that? You know, I'm a fishing net? Probably not the top of my description. We've, we've been going through these parables that are in Matthew chapter 13. Especially there, there's a lot of mention about the kingdom of heaven is like. And the one we're looking at today is the kingdom of heaven is like a net, a fishing net. And fishing can have two sides to it. It can have this peaceful, serene, quiet, loon calling in the background type of experience. Or it can be one of these exciting, anticipating, there's something on the line, it's coming. And so <clears throat> that's why I think it's good to go fishing. Just to get away from all of the things that are pulling us down, things that are distracting us. It's not healthy to dwell on all of the fears and all of the, the burdens that our, our world is throwing at us can become overwhelming and depressing. It feeds our fears and builds our anxiety, polarizes our country. We get more news in one minute than we can process in a day, a week, a month. And so let's take a break. Let's go fishing. And that means, really in a practical sense, it means let God take control. Let him be in charge. Look to him, trust him, let his peace fill your heart. Maybe our anxiety comes because we try to take control. Even taking control is really an illusion. To think that we can control anything is an illusion of sorts. So, but we can anticipate, we can look forward to the future because God is good, and he has a good plan for us. Even when things are out of control, we can look to him, we can trust in him. So let's look at the text. It's uh, three short verses there, 47, Matthew 13, beginning at verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore, and they sat down, and they sorted the good into containers, but threw, the bay, threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. 
The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, that last part doesn't sound so... It sounds like more of the burden, the heaviness, rather than the, the anticipation of what's to come. But hang on, it's coming. So, as we look at this text, we've looked at a number of... Uh, parables that describe these various facets of the kingdom of heaven. And here it says, the kingdom of heaven is like. So, first question. Are you looking forward to heaven? Yes? Maybe? What, what are you looking forward to? Not fishing. <laughs> Not fishing. I'm going to bring you fishing, Nick. It'll, it'll be a cultural experience for both of us. <clears throat> <laughs> so what, you, what do you look forward to in, in, in heaven? So the young boy is looking forward to something that he can understand and relate to. But, <clears throat> you know, things like streets of gold, okay, well, that's nice, but it wears off after a while. and just get used to it. <laughs> but really, what is it that we are looking forward to? Is it a good place? We know it is a good place. Why? Because the Father is king. The Father is King. The kingdom of heaven is where God is King. And so that describes both a present reality as well as a future description. But when the Father is King, He is a good King. He leads selflessly. He cares for His people. He is in control. He, he is just and right. He knows what we need even before we ask it. And he listens to us. He listens to our prayers. And he answers them. But maybe the best thing of all with regard to heaven is that we're with God. Revelation 21 describes, Behold, the dwelling in place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself, will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. <clears throat> there is both this future anticipation as well as a present reality with regard to heaven or the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the kingdom of God is also described that way. <clears throat> As we've looked in these various parables in Matthew 13. <clears throat> I'm going to sneak over here and get some water. <clears throat> in those various parables, you've got uh, the parable of the sower, where the man goes out and he throws the seeds, and some of it falls on the rocks, the thorns, the hard path, and, and then some on the good soil. So that is a picture of the kingdom of heaven per currently, right now, as we live. Then you've got uh, the other one where it's the parable of the weeds. And there's the master that goes out and spreads good seed. And then the enemy comes and he spreads evil seeds. And then it describes at the end of that that the weeds will be burnt, gathered together and burned at the, in the fire. So there's kind of both of these are described there in these various parables there. So regarding the present reality that we are in, 
It's peace because God is king. The Father is our king. But there is war because we are living in a world that is fighting against God. It's a funny contrast, one of those paradoxes, where we find this peace because of what God has done, what he has done in what he does in our lives, giving us that peace. And it's the other side of that is this battle that we face. And we look around us and we don't have to look very hard to see the world fighting against the things of God. Priorities of man versus the priorities of God. You know, people are not so fond of somebody telling them what to do. And God is not welcomed into those decisions so often. So right now, we live on this border between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And in that, that border is the warfare taking place, both externally as we think about the expansion of the kingdom of God into dark places, as well as internally when that battle becomes personally strong, we are fighting against what God wants to do in our own lives. And he is trying to take back the ground that has been lost. We try to control our lives. We try to direct our own decisions, our own paths, rather than letting him be in charge. So then there's this, are you at war or are you at peace? It has a lot to do with what you're trusting and who you're trusting. And if you're seeing the peace of God that passes understanding, fill your mind. I was on a, uh, we, we've taken family trips and vacations over the course of our marriage and life. And, and so my job is this planning and organizing where we're going to go next, where we're going to. All of those details, hotel arrangements, everything like that. But when our kids grew up, then we said, we want to take one of those one-on-one trips. And so my son wanted to go on this long road trip across the country. And, um, and he wanted to, to decide where we would go. I said, okay. Until, that was fine, I was okay with that, until we started going and I didn't know where we were going to stay or any of the details of what we were going to be doing for the day. And he was having a great time because it was just uh, not so structured. So are we willing to allow God to be the one that structures our lives? You know, in our minds, we say that's okay until it comes to reality. And we say, I don't know if I really want to trust you with these aspects of my life. Well, there's one part of it. The father is king and he is a good king. Verse 47 continues, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a net, thrown into the sea, and gathered fish of every kind. So when I go fishing, uh, you have to, this certain bait attracts this type of fish, this type of lure, this part of the lake. You know, all of those things have to be considered. But this is not the type of fishing that the Holy Spirit does. I'm putting this as the Spirit of God is the fisherman. There's a, we'll get into the details of that. But when he fishes, he catches all the fish. Fish of every kind, it describes. 
And so I've got a picture of uh, fishing in Uganda. Here is uh, a young man who's fishing in a boat. You know, how he can stand on the edge of the boat like that narrow thing and then throw a net like that is amazing. But you see where the net comes and it lands and it's got weights on the end of the, uh, on, on the, end of the net. And so everything that is under that net is caught in the fish, uh, in, is caught in the net. John, that's, uh, that's just Uganda. That's, I'm not describing that as what Jesus and in all of the fishing in the Sea of Galilee, that's another topic, but it gives you a picture anyway of this catching fish of all kinds. So did you ever stop to think or consider that the Lord is comparing you to a fish? Such a flattering description. So if you're going to be a fish, what type of fish are you? Some people are naturally sunny. Others are more like suckers. <laughs> Would you prefer to be a clownfish or a halibut? Maybe a shark. There's a few ruthless ones out there. A flounder. <laughs> That's good. So I, I would, in my mind, I have this illusion that sometimes I'm a king salmon. So here's a picture of a fishing trip to Lake Michigan. It was a, it was a couple of years ago. The hair is not quite as gray. <laughs> the weight, weight is a little bit less. But uh, that was a fun picture. The, the reality is that I'm more like a, a little perch. Those are the ones you catch and you don't even know that you have it on the line. And it's like, what's this? Is this bait? Um, I was given a, a Nile perch when I was in Uganda one time, and maybe that was a Ill, <laughs> maybe he was trying to say something. This name, guy named Globa was giving us that big, this big Nile perch and um, quite a valuable gift. Uh, I didn't really know what to do with it. I don't, I don't have any resources to deal with this fish, but there's others that did. Tasted good. And there's other people that you know that are more like bullheads. <laughs> if you look around you, you can find some pretty strange fish. You work with some. <laughs> did you say that out loud? <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, the, the thing that's amazing is that God made all of them. And he wants all of us, all of the strangeness of, our, of who he has made us to be. He wants us all to be a part of his kingdom. And that is a picture of gathering fish of many kinds. There's two parts of this uh, catching the net. Nets uh, catching. And the Spirit of God fishes for all peoples. We've covered that. But there's two aspects. The first is that he is desiring everyone to come to that personal faith in Christ. A relationship with Jesus. It's something that we can anticipate for the future. It's something that we can... We know that God is good and he desires good things for us. And it's just a matter of surrendering to his will. Allowing him to lead he wants people from across the globe, all walks of life, all those different kind, fish of every kind. The other aspect of this text, it talks about the end of the ages. 
And so it describes at that time that, uh, verse 48, it says, When in the net was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers and threw away the bad. So the Father has set a time when he will cast his net and the end of the ages will be all coming together. We don't know that time. And right now he's waiting. And we can be thankful that he is a patient God. When I go fishing with my grandkids, they don't have that same patience levels. There's a certain, you know, we can only fish for sunnies because they'll bite anything anytime and you have to go to a place where they're pooling, so they're schooling so that uh, you can keep the young grandchildren entertained. But it's not how God is. He's very patient. He's waiting for the net to be full. I'm thankful for the Lord's patience. I'm thankful that he waits. And right now, there's people that you know that are still not yet a part of that kingdom. And the opportunity is still here. Today, if you hear his voice, hearken his call, answer his call, respond to that invitation to come into his kingdom. Some of you, you're glad that he has waited, that you know him. And others, you're praying for somebody very dear and close to you, but still far away. Verse 49. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. So in the end, we can have confidence, we can look forward to it, because we're not the ones that are sorting who is the good and who is the bad. Jesus is the judge. There will be good fish, there will be bad fish, but it's not your job to determine who is which. Maybe you have some neighbors that are a little fishy. It's not your job. You know, it, it, reality is that we would make terrible judges. Or we base, on, base things on our appearance, what we see, we're biased, we Im, we're impulsive. We make ourselves to be the judges. Take away the judgment from the Lord. We have critical and perspective, you know, self-centered perspectives. And then we become the unrighteous one because we are taking God's place, putting ourselves above him. On the other hand, Jesus, he's a good judge. He judges by the thoughts, the intentions of the heart. He's just he will bring about justice. You know, there are things in this world are not fair. But this world is not the end. And he is the last say. He's going to set things right. Maybe we can't understand that now. We can't see it. But it's still true that it will happen. But even better than all of that, Jesus as the judge, is that he gives the righteousness. He's the one that determines what is righteous. He is the one that made it possible for us to be righteous. It is his righteousness that gives us the status of a good fish. That's a reason to anticipate and look forward to the future. 
And for those who have rejected Christ, there's such a strong warning here. They will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, I plead for anyone that is seeing or hearing this message that they would turn to Christ. Welcome him into their lives. Do not reject Jesus. He, has a, he is a good God. He has a wonderful plan for your life. Maybe this year you have felt like all of those plans, all of those things you were anticipating have been taken away. Everything you were looking forward to was canceled. My hope and, and prayer for you is that you can look forward and make plans. Now, whether they happen or not doesn't matter. God is still leading you through anyway. You can anticipate so I didn't believe, I didn't even know if it was possible if we could get to Uganda, but we, made, we booked tickets, and we were able to go and, and back again. Stand amazed, miraculous sometimes. Uh, Pam and I were hoping to go to Montana. Well, I visit my brother out there, and he's made plans. Will something change? I don't know. But we can look forward to the future because God is still good and he will be there ahead of us in spite of whatever we face. In the unknown, uncertain, unstable life that we live in, we can still look forward to the future because God is good. I hope that your plans this summer involve going on a walk with your Heavenly Father. Just you and him. Going for a walk, talking, listening, hearing what he has to say, maybe some advice. I hope it involves going fishing with the Spirit. You know, the beautiful thing is that he does all the work. And he might give you an opportunity to catch a fish that you had never dreamt possible. Somebody that was close to you. I hope that this summer gives you an opportunity to meet with Jesus, the good judge. You know, he already knows all the charges against you. The only question is whether you're going to admit it and find the freedom that comes from Christ. He's waiting. He's anticipating going into that future with you. So as we close in prayer, I just want to invite anyone who is, first of all, anyone that has uh, not received Jesus, today is a day to welcome Christ into your life. And the second is, how are you walking with him as you go forward? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, now you know the hearts of the people here. I am so thankful that you are a good God and that you're in charge, that you care about us, that you listen to our prayers. I pray, hear our prayers right now. Father, the ones that are praying, saying, I, I need Jesus in my life. I don't want to miss out on the kingdom of God. Lord, I, Jesus, I pray that you would be 
prompting people to turn, to accept, welcome you. And maybe you're prodding somebody to say, hey, I want to share that message of hope with somebody nearby me in my sphere of influence. And I pray, Jesus, I praise you, Lord, for you, you are the one that gives us freedom from sin and guilt. You're the one that gives us hope for what is ahead. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.